sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome to a brand spanking new, sparkling, clean, scintillating, uh, engaging, brilliant episode. Of the Pirate Monk Podcast. I holy, holy shit! How do we live up to that? This is going to be the very best episode. Well, I don't. I yeah, probably shouldn't raise that's, expectations. That's exhausting already. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, we got behind. No, it's going to. This is going to be good. It's going to be a regular conversation. Is it not? I hope so. Yeah. I don't know how Everyone to do something else. Everybody, don't have to, you're, yeah. you're special just like everybody else, Nate. Okay. All right. We don't have to put it out of the park for it to be good. It's going to be, it's going to be good. It, this is going to be a good episode. I feel, I this, feel this is, this is so apologetic already. <laughs> We're sorry. This might suck today. Hey, Sean. Hit us with the Albuquerque stuff. We've got a question from Albuquerque. It's questions from Albuquerque. Questions from Albuquerque here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Hey, Nate, here's the question yeah. from Albuquerque. Okay. What's the best way that people get over impatience with how long recovery takes to be fully effective? Oh, wow. Define fully effective. I think yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> yes, that's Dude. where it starts. Okay, you okay, start okay. Redefining no, no. fully effective. What? No, no. This is so important with all of our questions. Oh my gosh, listeners! If you yeah. have a question, if you have a thought, write it down and then uh -huh. look at it and say, "Wait, I'm using certain terms mm -hmm. that I need to define for myself." Right. What? Because here it is. What's the best way for people to get over impatience with how long recovery takes to be fully effective? Immediately, you think, wait, what does fully effective mean to you? Because it doesn't matter what it means to us. It uh -huh. matters what does that mean to the person that wrote it. But we can do that for ourselves with all of our questions. Why did I write it like that? Why did I say those words? But with that said, Nate, answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I knew what fully effective was. I knew what I was shooting for when I walked into my first meeting. Okay. It was just, I want to have this problem solved. Uh, I want uh, not only not to uh, transgress uh, moral boundaries uh, around sexual behavior again. I don't even want to want to do it again. Okay. Okay. Uh, so you just said two. there's two different things there. Right. I'm I'm not doing a behavior. Mm -hmm. So if I don't do it, that's fully effective. Oh right. no, it's not. I don't want to want to do it. That's fully effective. Right, 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 right. Okay. So I, go on. I, I I was actually discouraged at first. I mean, I, it was this strange mixture of hope and discouragement because there was so much realism in the room. What I wanted is I wanted I wanted the cure. I came for the cure. And what they told me was, uh, what we have here is the treatment. Uh, and uh, uh, it's, a, it's a new way of life. It's a, it's, a, it's a full life makeover. It's going to go 
uh, places uh, far beyond what you thought brought you into these rooms. Um, but you are never going to be at a point where you are uh, exempt, where you have so fully recovered from your addiction that the possibility of your falling into it again is gone. Wow. I mean, when I'm listening to you say that, it the, there's two different paths into the woods. Mm-hmm. One is, here's the hope of such miraculous difference, mm-hmm. which kind of went back to your religious version. God mm-hmm. will just heal you. It'll be all different if mm-hmm. you have enough faith. Mm-hmm. And then if it doesn't, then that's there's something wrong with you or God doesn't exist. Yeah. The other path is this will all be different, but you have to know you might end up in the same spot you were in. Mm-hmm. So talk me through those two paths or how you dealt with that from your past. Well, um, you know, I, I, I do believe that, you know, recovery is a, you know, begins with repentance. It is a healing process. It's also a learning process. So we do know that addiction springs from woundedness, from trauma. We know that's true. And so, uh, uh, you know, to be to 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 be fully to be freed from uh, uh, being triggered any time that that uh, painful memory is once again brought to mind, even subconsciously, we need deep healing. And that kind of healing typically takes time. Uh, Also, we've learned to compensate for that pain. And so we have a learned behavior. We have automated so much of not just our emotion, not just our, 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 uh, you know, uh, not just our actions, not just what we have consciously decided to do, but a lot of it has just been automated subconsciously. So we got a lot of learning to do. And until we learn a new way to live, our we're going to make some, our instincts are going to lead us astray. Um, we're going to make some mistakes. We're going to wobble and we may fall down. So that's maybe what this question was about for this person. How yeah. to deal with that long term process. Yeah. 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 And, and I think it's, it, it, it requires a gracious community that will run along with us who can, when we start to wobble, can help to stabilize us. And if we have fallen down, we'll be there to comfort, to bring us back up, help us back to our feet, to encourage us to go on some more, to help us deconstruct what's happened, to learn from the experience. Uh, And I don't think we, and we have to, we have to see, understand, and believe the gospel for this to work. Because if all of this is a matter of survival for me, if in order to be okay, I have got to, I, my recovery has to be fully effective as I define effectiveness. If I've got to somehow uh, create, constitute, and defend a righteousness of my own in order to be okay, uh, I'm in trouble from the get-go. So you're talking about if my identity is not intact mm-hmm. because of my own desires 
of my flesh, my struggles, my triggers, things that make me want to do things that I hadn't even thought about maybe for years, but now I'm back in the weeds like years ago. So what does that mean about me? What is my identity? Uh If the gospel is not fit to answer that question, then I am not fully recovered because I haven't worked out my own shit, which is anti-gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? That thinking is anti-gospel, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. So my identity has to be secure within Christ, not yeah. based on, oh, I just got hit with a trigger, and so it must mean Christ's blood is ineffective to yeah. make me who yeah. I am in him. Yeah. And yeah. and that's one of the hardest things. To, I mean, that's the working out of the gospel, right? That's yeah. what it yeah. means to figure out who am I? Yeah. Um uh, it is uh it is good to come to terms with our own imperfection. Uh to make peace with our own weakness. Well, it's it's only when I am weak that I am strong. Uh, <laughs> oh, and it, you you say that based off of Paul's verse where he prayed, "Lord, take this away from me, this thorn in my flesh." Oh, maybe that was because his eyes were bad. Well, maybe he wanted to whack off. You know, it's nice to make it clean and neat. Yeah. But but he prayed for the whatever the thorn in his flesh was, a messenger of Satan, and God yeah. said no, and then what you said yeah in his weakness he would be strong so no sorry i'm not taking that away yeah you precious baby boy yeah you know my aim when i got into recovery was to somehow achieve moral self-sufficiency and that was an unrighteous aim (laughs) (laughs) and I, I, i i'll never achieve it and uh, getting at peace, you know, coming to peace with that is uh, is a freeing, liberating thing. And it leaves right. room for Jesus to be enough. Right. Yep, it does. All right, fine. Thank- Let's go to Rebecca. She's got awesome things to say. Go ahead. You're transitioning. Oh. Transition yep. us. There it is. There it is. Now, we have just had a spiritual discussion. We've used some biblical language, but that does not mean that we are employing spiritual bypass in order somehow to evade life's difficult realities. And I think we'll, we will uh, dig some more into that when we return on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Hey guys, Chris Inman here, Samson brother. If you're like me, I know you're so grateful for the connection and vulnerability that you found as a part of the Samson Society. But what's next for you? What are you going to do to take your next steps into healing that will get you to the place of freedom, purpose, and deep relational connection that you were always meant for? If you're interested in taking those next steps, I invite you to investigate porn-free masculinity. At porn-free masculinity, we will guide you on your transformative journey to break free from the shackles of porn addiction and discover the connection and purpose you've always longed for. You'll gain valuable insights, practical strategies, an even more supportive community to help you along the way. It's time to unleash your potential and create the life you know you deserve. This is a path I've walked, and I know you can walk it too. 
Start your journey towards a brighter future by connecting with us at pornfreemasculinity.com today. Welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. Well, today we have as our guest uh, another associate of the Allender Center. Uh, somebody who uh, was trained there, who works there as a co-facilitator of groups, uh, and actually has stuck around to live and work and practice in the Seattle area. Uh, Rebecca Vickery is with us. Welcome, Rebecca. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast. It's a brave thing for you to do. Uh, why, why, why is it brave? Is it because of us or her? Yeah, yeah. yeah it, what's happening? I was listening to a couple of your episodes. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, this is a brave thing for me to do. It, it is? Oh, man. Okay. Yeah, because well, you well, never know. You never know where the questions are going to come from. Well, Rebecca, right. I'm so glad you're here. I'm yeah. glad. <laughs> And hey, I want to I, I want to create a safe space for you because <laughs> Nate's just made it feel like this podcast is not that safe. Oh, come on, it is a safe place. It is a safe place. All however, right. however, I I'm aware, I, I don't know a lot about you or what you do, but I am aware that uh your practice has found a fair amount of focus around people who've experienced trauma within the church. Uh, uh, and trauma around their sexuality, whether they've been abused or whether, uh, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff. That dovetails with me. It seems as though there's been just this avalanche of headlines, this unceasing torrent, this story that seems, you know, for a while we thought, well, it's just, the, you know, it's the Roman Catholic Church. Man, are they messed up? And then it turns out, well, you know what? They're really... So far, isn't any Protestant denomination that has proven to be uh, an exception to the rule. And just today, I saw another just sad headline of uh, you know, a report that just came out uh, in Switzerland, of all places. Come on, sweet, beautiful Switzerland. Uh, about a thousand cases of uh, sexual abuse that over the years, over quite an extensive length of time, have either been are condoned or covered up by the church. And now it's time to face the music. Uh, that's a reality, I guess, that you are well aware of. Yeah, I am not familiar with that story coming out today, but it sadly is a very familiar story. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm feeling more grief in my practice recently and just recognizing like, oh, there's very few stories that feel surprising um, to yeah. me. And yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting what you're saying about the evangelical church. Mm -hmm. taking a seat back at first and being like, well, that's not us, right? That's the Catholic yeah, that's church. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. And now feeling yeah. a bit more, a bit more exposed. Um, sure. For yeah. what has been going on behind closed doors there as well. Yeah. And, and also I think it reflects upon, our discomfort for so long to even discuss sexuality and in not talking about it have been communicating a whole lot of uh, shaming and destructive messages. Oh, True? absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I think about um, grooming as a concept in sexual abuse recovery. And mm -hmm. if you're talking about just abuse, um, mm -hmm. 
grooming is where the abuser will create trust between himself or herself. Um, mm-hmm. and the and the target. Right. right. So then what ends up happening is that the person who's abused often feels complicit um, mm-hmm. that they've participated in some way in their own harm, or they have some responsibility for it because they trusted this person. And I was thinking about how the church and oftentimes I think ways that are more like systemic and not an intentional personal decision, mm-hmm. the church can also create a context of grooming where you have like a lot of fear in the culture. You mm-hmm. have this, you have theology that sets people up to be focused on where, where's my sin? Where's my brokenness? Mm-hmm. Um, and in out of that, right, you already have an environment where people are kind of conditioned when they are harmed or do experience abuse to feel like, well, there's mm-hmm. there's something wrong with me. I need to look at my sin. Mm-hmm. I don't want to slander this other person. I don't want to come out and talk about it. And then you have a system of of, um, of trust too, right? Where we're told right. like, you're not supposed to trust your body, right? Your heart's deceitful mm-hmm. of all things. You can know it. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> When cues that your body gives you when you're in danger, but you are supposed to trust these people in power, like your pastor mm-hmm. or your youth leader or elders, whoever right. it may be. And so you kind of have the perfect setup for when abuse does occur for it to be, to have an added layer of complexity. Mm-hmm. 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 That was a lot right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, it's true. And then there's a lot of spiritual bypass as well, which mm-hmm. is, how do we give these spiritual platitudes to to just say, okay, whatever you experience, whether it's abuse or whether it's just suffering in your life, how do we just use spiritual platitudes to move beyond that and don't ever deal with what you're going through? Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about, uh, I don't know if you're, familiar with the Trader Joe's tissue boxes. Um, no. <laughs> I just, I love that transition. I have no okay. idea what you're talking about, but I'm with you. Go. Okay. Trader Joe's tissue boxes. I love boxes. Trader Joe's. I don't know whether I ever bought tissues there, but yeah. Well, I don't actually know if they're in stock anymore, but these tissue boxes used to say on the side, like, I'm there when you're sad. I'm there when mm-hmm. you have a cold. I'm there when you feel sick. And that's a picture that comes to my mind often when we talk about spiritual bypassing is Mm -hmm. the ways that we can use our theology or use the Lord as a way to try to get away from what we're experiencing. Like God is there when we're sick. God is there when we're sad. But in that, like it's, it's tissues are meant to stop something from happening. And we tend to, in our theology often, try to try to use it in the same way, try to stop the truth from being spoken or try to stop the impact from happening. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so here's, here's the deal. This is what's so hard about spiritual bypass or spiritual, you know, uh, Trader Joe's tissues. Those, those passages that are used, those scriptures that, that we've learned from our childhood, that we've learned from pastors, whatever, 
And and it and people weren't necessarily trying to keep us from feeling. They just weren't thinking about. It. They're just like, here's the quick, easy answer. Here's a Bible verse. Trust in the Lord. Do it. And so, what? There's a truth there, and there's something that is keeping us from truth. So, for the listeners, how do they discern? Okay, a. It doesn't have to be like some intentional, somebody's trying to be mean to you, mm-hmm. but a truth that is true might keep you from the truth you need to address. How do they navigate that? It's such a, such a good question that we could spend probably hours talking through, but I'm thinking about trauma and mm-hmm. the impact on our bodies and our brains. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a professor, um, Dr. Dan Allender, that he'll, he'll often say, our brains, what we understand about brains is like 18th century dentistry. Like we understand right. that we have a brain and that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> right, yeah. So I realize even in what I'm about to share, like it's such a small but such a small taste of what our brains can actually do and the complexity of it. But our brain is essentially can be thought of as three different sections or parts. And one part is the brainstem. So the brainstem manages our functions like digestion, sex drive, sleep, mm-hmm. hunger, um, those things that really just keep us going from day to day. And Another part of our brain is called the limbic system. And in the limbic system, this is where we have emotion. It's also where we have memory um, and hold hold fear or terror. Um, when we see a predator, our limbic system is going to kick in and tell us, like, you need to fight, you need to flee, you need to freeze, um, mm-hmm. and how to respond to that threat. So our limbic system and our brainstem work together when we're in threat. Mm-hmm. So if I'm, I'm scared of mountain lions, so I will use this example, <laughs> but if I'm hiking <laughs> and I see a mountain lion, they have all of these examples of what you're supposed to do when you see a mountain lion. Um, <laughs> make yourself look big. Make yourself look big. <laughs> yeah. All <laughs> the things that in the moment I think I would not be doing. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> because that, because of our brain, my brainstem would kick in the capacity to say, oh, there's a threat. So I need to get whatever I need to get out of my body. So I feel light and free to run and get away. I can't sleep. So I'm not going to be tired. I'm, I'm not thinking about sex or food or drink. I'm just thinking I need to get away from this threat. And my limbic system is going to give me the capacity to do that. It's going to tell me, oh, I'm really afraid. And I should be afraid because that's a mountain lion is coming towards me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that I, and then I'll run or I'll fight or I'll sleep or I'll roll over and play dead. I'll do all these things that might kick in. That's outside of my conscious brain. And mm-hmm. when we um, experience trauma, those are the only two parts of our brain that are active as we understand it now. The third part of our brain is our prefrontal cortex. And that's our executive functioning. That's what helps us make meaning of things. Uh, it's what helps us after the experience of the mountain lion say, okay, what can I do differently next time? What did that mean? How was I feeling? Mm -hmm. And and start to 
put together some of the pieces of what happened. When we experience a threat like that, our executive functioning isn't present because we don't need to make meaning of it in that moment. So that makes it really tricky when you're talking about trauma, because oftentimes if there's not a space after the trauma occurs to start to try to piece together, okay, what happened? How can I keep it from happening next time? Our body stays stuck in that fight or flight response or the freeze response because it thinks that we're still in danger because our Mm. brainstem and our limbic system don't really have the capacity to tell time. That's not really your job. (laughs) They just need to know about the danger. So it makes it a tender question, right? Yeah. Well, okay. So, but, but you're, you're already separating out some things Mm -hmm. when you've gone through trauma and, and especially when you've gone through trauma and the church has tried to tell you, here's the easy answers. And then that goes back to those two functions of your brain. That's, that's a very specific place. Um, and, and that's where spiritual bypass of, I don't want to address this. I've got easy answers happens. Right. Cause if I go home after that hike and I tell someone about this, how scary it was and I need to get away. And somebody says, well, you shouldn't feel scared. Like you need to just trust God. You know, all things work Mm -hmm. together for good. Yeah. Mountain mountain lions don't actually want to attack. They're actually want to be, Mm -hmm. they they want to be away unless they feel threatened. They'll never attack you. Those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so then I'm left with having these two very different experiences at the same time. One, I might have some fear or shame or belief that like, oh, they're right. There's something wrong with me that I didn't think about that right away. And Mm -hmm. my body is still having a very different response. I might still be trembling or having nightmares at night because I can't stop thinking about that. And Mm -hmm. so that's, that's where I think often in the church, as we think about trauma, are we thinking about, think about sexual abuse or sexuality? it can get really, really tricky when we don't have a space to really talk about these things. Like we're not supposed to talk about sexuality, right? So then already we have mm-hmm. a we have a setup where if harm happens, there's not really a space for people to get to talk about it or work mm-hmm. through it because they're not supposed to have been connected to their sexuality to begin with. So that's just an example of, of where my mind goes. Right. It could, if it is uh, a purity culture, for example, in which until you are married, you are not even supposed to have, uh, well, sexual desire. Uh, And if if you do have sexual desire, you are supposed to tamp it down and never act upon it. Right. Mm -hmm. And now I have acted upon it. Uh, And and, uh, there's a lot of emotion connected with that experience. Mm -hmm. But I, there is no safe place for me to process what I did. Maybe the poor decisions I made that got me into that spot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, right. And in the <sighs> acting on it, because there's shame, most mm-hmm. likely, your shame can function just like another threat, right? Or just like trauma. So your executive functioning is also not online, right? So ah. your response Right? That might be really disconnected from 
what you would cognitively want or what you wish that you could do differently. Right. Yeah. Wait, wait, say that. Between shame and trauma. Say, say that again, because that is really important to me. Um, Shame can just say that again. Say it again. (laughs) (laughs) Can't promise I'll say it the exact same way, but I'll I'll try. Say it. Hey, hey, Rebecca, would you say it differently than you did last time? Perfect. (laughs) Okay. Shame can. Shame is a threat to us. When we feel shame, it's isolating. It oh. cuts us off from relationship, right? It makes right. us think something's wrong with us. Right. And so the experience of having shame itself is a threat. And so our mm. body would go into a threat response, just like it would go into a threat response with a mountain lion or if mm-hmm. my fire alarm started going off right now. To the mm. body, it's not all that different. Our, we might make meaning of it in our executive functioning part of our brain and understand, mm-hmm. oh, this isn't, this is different or this is what's happening. But to our limbic system, to our other parts of our brain, the brainstem, our bodies, right? It feels just like trauma. It feels like a threat. Mm. So, so what have you found most people do when shame becomes that trigger most people isolate Mm -hmm. most people shame is already isolating in itself and most people will withdraw further um they won't they won't either know how to ask others for help or they'll feel like there's something wrong with me there's something about me that is broken or wrong and that makes me different from everybody else. And yeah. so it, it, it creates this environment where they are truly become all alone and don't know how to, don't know how to get out of it. Don't know how to move towards connection, but mm-hmm. connection is actually a huge part of what heals us. Right. When sure. we've experienced shame, it tells us we can't be in a relationship because there's something right. wrong with us. And so a kind connected relationship is very healing because it repairs mm. that that injury. Yeah. So let's talk about the other side. This is this is the side where something did happen that made me feel shame. That made me uh, try to. Or I was either given spiritual platitudes or I had learned them and I used them to try to disassociate from it. What about people who? just do that in a regular that's that's just the lifestyle they learned so they're just constantly disconnecting from life using spiritual platitudes how how do you if you're in that situation without trauma take those truths that are beautiful and not disconnect from the life you're in What's, what's the positive, like, what do we do in the positive way? <laughs> yeah. We mentioned purity culture earlier, and a lot, of, a lot of the folks in my practice are coming from, uh, coming from purity culture, like the emphasis on um, really being a sexless being until you're mm-hmm. married. Mm-hmm. And 
a lot of their healing work is what does it look like to get to know their bodies experience, mm-hmm. not just, not just sexually, but how do you know when you're hungry? How do you know when you're sad? How do you know when you're anxious? Right. Those are experiences that are really, really embodied. When I'm anxious, I might be thinking about something that's scary or having racing thoughts, but my body, my belly is probably feeling really upset or my body might be shaking or my heart might be pounding. Those are all physical sensations that are telling me I'm anxious or when I'm sad, I might be crying, but I might also have a really big lump in my throat that I can't quite get away from. And that could also mm-hmm. be grief, right? So I, I think a lot of the, a lot of the healing work is how do we help, how do we help others? How do we help ourselves reconnect to what's happening in our bodies? Cause they don't uh, have okay, to. Okay. 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 So pause, you're feeling like that. And then you think, wait, I know the verse. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. Well, okay, so I'm fucking this up because I'm supposed to be making my request known to God. And if I feel this, then I'm doing something wrong. Now, there might not be any trauma that's creating that, but I'm feeling anxiety Mm-hmm. But I'm going straight to, I know the Bible verse for don't be anxious about anything. Okay, here's the answer. And if I can't pull that off somehow, and then it's going back to a shame place. Mm-hmm. I'm failing. So help walk me through that. I feel anxious. I feel these things, but I know the Bible verse that tells me I'm a screw up if I can't pull this off. Right. And you're exactly right in that. Like, and then we move into shame, right? And we start to feel like there's something wrong that I'm doing. I think about, I mean, I'm a therapist, not a theologian. Um, oh, be a, be a theologian right now. We're, we're, <laughs> you can be it. Name well, we'll, we'll pretend we're, to be therapists. It'll be fun. Oh yeah. yeah this will no. be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I'm saying that because my mind goes to, my mind goes more to like the, the therapeutic side of it um, mm-hmm. of that, even though I know exactly what you're talking about. And um, yeah, I'm very familiar with that even in my own self and healing journey. Um, but I think about fight, flight and freeze as responses to any kind of threat. And they're not bad. I think sometimes we, when that is used in, pop culture these days it said like it's a bad thing you're not supposed to be mm-hmm. fighting or flighting um but it's it's just a normal human response that tells us we're in danger and we need to do something about that um anxiety can often okay, wait, wait 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 before you go on because i want i want to hear the rest of this but you just talked uh, uh, that statement feels like we've somewhere been told we're supposed to judge emotions yes like i have an emotion coming from my amygdala Mm -hmm. that's just like here's my situation here's how i feel about it and now i have to judge did i fail because i felt that right right and in that there's for us to be human and to have a human response to something yeah and and who gave that human response? 
who created the inmost parts of my being, the most yeah. inmost parts, which was my amygdala that <laughs> responds in that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I'm supposed to feel ashamed to God that I feel the way God made my brain to operate. Well, and that's I think weird. Spiritual bypassing there, like bringing in the, well, I'm not supposed to be anxious, right? Like this is a scripture verse. I know exactly where it is, but mm-hmm. that can be a form of, of flight, right? It can be a form of trying to get away from what we're feeling or trying to get away from the grief or the anxiety or the anger. And when it becomes that, right, it's just another way that we're using something we know well, a resource, but using it in a way that actually is, a, we're trying to get away from a threat. And, and oh. it's denying the other verses that say, no, God's aware of this. All right, go ahead, Nate. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, okay. Uh, now, let me push back. Let me push back here uh, and speak for uh, the disciples of cognitive behavioral therapy. Or I, there are a lot of different ways to kind of look wow. at this. To be say careful. that, be careful. Okay, I'm, me and Rebecca, <laughs> we're I'm, ready. I'm, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, and and as somebody who tried to think his way to sanity, right? I know that 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 that's a dead end. I also, though, must admit that sometimes my fears are irrational. They're real, but they're irrational. I might think it's a mountain lion, and it's really not a mountain lion. Right. But I have conditioned to see a mountain, been conditioned to see a mountain lion where no a mountain lion is. I've been told it's far more dangerous out there than it really is. I won't leave the house because I'm afraid the hills are full of mountain lions. I hear a noise. Right. Okay. All right. All right. Rebecca, so, I'll start and you finish. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because if Nate has been conditioned to see a mountain lion and he feels it in any given moment, Right. then that's the experience in that moment for him. Mm-hmm. And so to replace that with, oh, your feelings are wrong because there is no mountain lion does not fix the problem. He feels it even right. uh, he's just described because he was taught to believe it was there. And so he feels it and he's responding to that. Okay, go Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Well, that said so brilliantly. <laughs> and, oh my gosh, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, what, what would I add to that? I think just that, I think you're you're touching on something really important there where absolutely because we're feeling anxiety or because we're angry or have desire is not necessarily meaning that means I need to immediately follow that emotion or that information. Mm-hmm. But it it also doesn't mean we need we pull like a Bible verse or we pull something that we know as a way of getting away from that information. It's more about right. like how do I continue as I continue to heal, as I continue to grow in relationship with others, as I continue to know myself more in those relationships within my own healing. Like, how do I start to understand and make meaning of the information that's coming towards me? Because that fear... Okay, okay, okay wait. Okay. Yeah, you're saying something huge, which is, Nate, what you described was the right or wrong. Is there or isn't there a mountain lion? Right. Rebecca, what you said was, I don't give a shit. Why do you feel that? 
what's underneath mm-hmm. that feeling. Yeah. Sure. And that's two different questions. And sometimes, or at least in my upbringing, the spiritual bypass was don't figure out the why, just figure out the what. Is it right or wrong? What verse does it fit with? And you just totally went the other way with what you said. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, whether it's right or wrong, why do you feel that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are times, I mean, in the long run, in the big picture, right, it's going to be helpful. And this is where, like, I'm not against cognitive behavioral therapy. I think it has its place, right? It can be helpful mm-hmm. in the long run to know when I feel this fear, I, for whatever reason, like I've had an experience or I've been conditioned to think that that's a mountain lion, right? So my mm-hmm. body's responding exactly as it should if it was a mountain lion. But right. I, I've done enough healing work to understand like what's happening, what's going on, right? We mm-hmm. want that. That's a good thing. But it, yes. But it doesn't make the fear itself a bad thing. It means our right. body is responding in a human way. And when we, yeah, when we spiritually bypass, it's what we're really trying to do there often is saying what I'm experiencing is actually bad. Like I'm not right. supposed to be feeling this way versus I don't know why I'm feeling this way. Maybe I'm not seeing things in this moment that are connected to how I'm mm-hmm. feeling, but it's coming from somewhere and having so more spirit- about it. So spiritual bypass is where judgment triumphs over mercy instead of mercy triumphing over judgment. Well said. There you go. Yeah. I I would say that for me, a big part of recovery, uh, you know, a major part of the pro- my own recovery has been, first of all, uh, learning to own, face, and admit my own feelings. There were feelings that I did not want to feel, so I would deny that I even had them. I would swear up and down. I never get angry. Mm-hmm. I'm not sad. And my wife, Allie, could look at me, and she could see every physical manifestation that I am furious, and yet I am uh, unaware of my own anger, unaware of what it's doing to me, what it's doing to her. Yeah. So a big part of health is learning to, to, to recognize and own our own emotional response to life around us. And, right. and owning it doesn't mean judging it. Without, no, yeah, no, no, without no, no, no. Without judgment. No, I, without I think judgment. that's, I, I hear what you're saying. And that's the huge part is just recognizing I feel this. Don't jump past the feeling. Mm-hmm. There's, there's something going on. There's something for me to own that I might need to own. There's things that might be a uh, trauma that I need to accept or trauma, whatever. I need to go on the journey. My feeling is, is a roadmap towards a journey. So take the journey. Don't, don't jump ahead. Mm-hmm. And this is where it's helpful to have a therapist who can read the physical cues, right? Yes. Uh, Yes. And I think, you know, there's research, and from this moment I'm blanking on who did the research, but there's recent research around what creates, what actually creates healing in a therapeutic relationship. And they Mm -hmm. found, like, more than anything else, like, regardless of whatever, um, whatever modality the therapist was using age, Mm -hmm. gender, any of that, it was the relationship 
between the therapist and the client, right? But that tells us something that we already kind of intuitively know, right? It's that Mm -hmm. the relationship is what heals us. And we often can't, we do actually need people to help us understand what our emotions are. And we need that when we're really, really young. Like I grew up in a home with a lot of children. (laughs) And so I was Mm -hmm. very, very familiar growing up with what it was to help babies start to understand what they were experiencing. And when a baby is crying, they don't know why they're crying. They just know they're miserable. Right. And the the parent or the caregiver has to come and say, Oh, you're hungry. Oh, you're tired. Oh, you've got a poopy diaper. Right. And they start to Mm -hmm. tell that child what they're experiencing. So that over time that child learns, Oh, when I feel this way, it means I'm hungry. Right. If we don't have that growing up, or if we, didn't experience that in a way that said what you're feeling is okay, then mm-hmm. we do need that as adults. We do need help understanding like what our experience is. Cause how would we know it otherwise? Well, and that's, that's part of the, the piece of trauma, right? That when we try to understand that at any age and somebody else is seeing us cry and we interpret that as here's what, your crying makes me feel X, Y, or Z. And so then I try to make your crying fit into that. Mm-hmm. Right. And it becomes a whole crazy bunch of trauma. Right. Mm-hmm. Or stop crying. Right. You're fine. Yeah. Right. Or, but why would anyone yeah. say that except they're like, I'm tired. I'm upset. So right. shut up. So fix mm-hmm. it. So it get over it. Back brings us back to the spiritual bypassing, right? Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. why often do we in the church find ourselves saying to somebody who's in pain or distress, trust God, you'll be fine. Trust the Lord with all your heart, right? It's really trying to ease our own discomfort over what it's like to be with someone who's in deep grief or shame Mm -hmm. or brokenness, right? Because their grief Mm -hmm. or their shame or their brokenness really causes us to look at our own. And that is not a place that we're, often very comfortable doing. Yeah. And and the easiest way to get around it is to say, I'll pray for you. Which <laughs> most people who say, I'll pray for you. Oh, it's the best, right? I'll pray for you. Now you shut shut up. I told you what I do. And you know, uh, it's it's so true. Oh my gosh, we could there's you've said things that we could go on forever, but Rebecca how do people get in touch with what you're doing or get in touch with you? Yeah, they can. Well, they can visit my website. Um, it's heart root. So heart as in like the speeding heart, um, H E A R T. And then there's a dash and then root R O O T heart root, um, heartroot.com. Or they can email me. Um, my email address is Rebecca. R-E-B-E-K-A-H, and then at heartroot.com. Yeah, I do some workshops uh, every few months around purity culture, Um, Mm -hmm. some of the history of it, some of resources for people that are maybe wanting to figure out what it means to be uh, in their bodies, right, for the first Mm -hmm. time as adults. Um, And then I also offer a couple other groups as well in my own private practice, but that's where they can, yeah, that's where they can find me. 
You dropped a couple of hints right there at the end that made me wish we'd started with your story. You grew up around a lot of kids. It makes I me know. want to ask Bill questions. And I, I, oh, so God. true. It felt yeah. like we, we missed out on a bunch <laughs> of this. And, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Rebecca. We, we failed you. I'm oldest okay. nine children. So that's okay. Oh, my gosh. Nate and I feel shame. And we've gone to our amygdala, and we're going to flee to a break. Oh, it's so sad. Because I'm avoidant, so there you go. Oh, this is even worse. We're facilitating. We're enabling. Well, thank you so much. You've been an absolute delight to talk with. And I'm sure uh, our listeners are going to love you as much as we do. Listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment on the Pirate Monk Podcast. And we are back on the Pirate Bunk Podcast. Oh my gosh. Our <laughs> conversation with Rebecca after we were done. We need a part two. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I spent some time kind of in the wild west fringes uh, of the uh, you know American Christian faith, but uh, I think her, her experience uh, even tops mine. So it's great. She's, she's, come by her her insight i mean she's got her it's hard one yes yeah it's it's she's got her psychological stuff she's studied whatever all of that which is deep and true but Mm -hmm. yeah her personal experience was hard one totally yeah 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 no mere academic interest on her part which i am sure makes her a fit vessel for helping people who have experienced trauma within the church. Oh, so, a fit vessel. That's a great, yeah. that's a great term. Yes, absolutely. And, mm. and you know, that immediately makes me think every listener, what makes them a fit vessel? Oh, okay. I mean, right. Yeah. But we've, we've all been through your experience, her experience, my experience, very different. Mm-hmm. But every one of those makes us a fit vessel to walk with other people. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and it is my woundedness and my brokenness, the sin that I have committed and the sins that have been, uh, you know, committed against me. <laughs> All of which, you know, it's they've created kind of the the hollows in my life that make it possible for me to function. Uh, you know, as, as, as a tool in this world, kind of fish other people out of the soup. Uh, the not, in your life, you're waxing poetical, man. <laughs> so good. It's so good. <laughs> oh man. Well, I, I guess I'm, I'm feeling inspired. I'm kind of taking deep breaths. I'm getting ready. I'm off. I'm off, uh, in a couple of days to go up to the pure desire conference where I've, I'm just so honored to have been invited to to do a keynote there, and I'm looking to hang with Barb Steffens and some other people. Got another invitation this week to speak for Noble Warriors at their national conference in next March. Looking forward to that. Uh, I'm winding up for our national conference, uh, the summit, first weekend in November, where I do not have to speak, but I will get to. Uh, we've got just some marvelous, you know. 
from our, 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 our keynote speaker, Adam Young, on to our workshop presenters. And, and I, will, uh, I will say right now, uh, I have touched base with Adam today, and I'm so excited for what Adam is doing. Like, he's doing some stuff that goes back to personal work. There's going to be mm-hmm. some, it's, it goes, goes into that intensive place, not just, oh, sit and take some notes, but we're doing some personal work. All right. Okay. So just so you know. All right, my friend. Uh, well, it, th- this has been uh, good. Good. To, uh, I, I've enjoyed the conversation. We, once again, we had an engaging, stimulating host. And uh, it's good to see your face and hear your voice, my friend. I, I, uh, we're going to travel together down to Texas. I don't know how many people are doing that. That's one way to go to the national retreat. You can kind of extend your retreat experience by finding some guys to travel with. Uh, so whether it's guys in your group who, uh, you know, you, maybe you've made the decision to go uh, to the summit. If, uh, if, if right now your plan is just to go alone, why don't you just even get a buddy to go with you? And then you extend the retreat experience. It becomes relational from the day you pick up your buddy or he picks you up. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Aaron has frozen. Oh, crap. No, I haven't. You haven't? Okay. All right. I'm just listening listening to you. I'm not interrupting. (laughs) You pulled a Mitch McConnell on me there. You just, I, I, your face didn't move. And I thought, oh my God. I was just listening. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it then for this episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Until next time, I'm Nate. I'm Pepe. <laughs> and we are your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. The Pirate Monk Podcast is produced by members of the Samson Society. Send your feedback or questions to piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and share the podcast with a friend. For more information, please visit samsonsociety.com.